This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. On today's Noon Business Hour, Personal Finance Wednesday, coming up at 1249. How to care for aging parents while also caring for your kids. People in their 40s are a sandwich generation. Michael Palumbo is here now. Let's talk to you about these meme stocks. Michael is the founder of MJP Capital here in Chicago. Chicago, also author of the book Calculated Risk. I mean, you know, Mike, I got my ticker here. I'm looking at AMC and it just, it, it's literally popping more every second. It's up about 80% today. What in the world is going on here? Well, good afternoon, Cisco, and thanks for having me on. So AMC popping on a couple things, news that they they raised a bunch of money at, at uh at a fairly high level in the $27 range, which now looks cheap. Uh, and that and the company that bought the stock has already said they sold it back out. So um, they made a, a nice one-day profit, uh, but AMC did was able to raise money, and that, that was uh, about $230 million of stock. So AMC, in my mind, is a little different than the rest of these meme stocks in that they're more of a reopening of the economy play. And as we see COVID waning here and people may be coming back to theaters, these numbers may actually end up being okay. So there is a thesis behind this. Uh, is there a thesis that would give you a valuation of $25 billion, which is what AMC is trading at right now? I don't think you can come up with one. Uh, but you can at least say, unlike GameStop and, and BlackBerry, they have a a service or product that is in some demand and could come back as COVID wanes. So that's what kind of does differentiate AMC. And you see the stock popping, as you said, it's all over the board, but it's up 60% on my screen anyway here, above $50 a share, the highest it's been in its history. And like I said, a $25 billion valuation. You touch on also GameStop, stocks like BlackBerry. These are all over the place. Should investors stay away from these stocks just because of the volatility? Well, all I've said on these names, and I've, when I've been on before here, is you should trade these names if you feel the urge to with money that you can afford to lose. Because these are stocks, every one of these stocks could go to zero. Uh, there there would be, a, you can make a thesis that, that they're all worthless in a, in an economy where GameStop doesn't have the the uh, the demand for for their stores like they used to, BlackBerry obviously has problems. AMC, even when we reopen, maybe people don't go back to theaters. You can make those 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 uh, theses, and if if those come true, then these stocks are incredibly overvalued. But even in the best scenario, 
they seem to still be a little bit overvalued here. And I would just caution investors, don't trade these stocks in anything other than money that you can afford to lose. So that would be the only thing. I'm not saying don't trade them because some people like to play these kinds of volatile names. But, you know, you are you are gambling for the most part. I mean, stocks are gambles anyway, but you are really liter- literally Vegas gambling in these names. Thanks so much. Good insight as always from Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital. Just ahead, the cyber attack against meat processing giant JBS. Who might be behind it? Investigators are taking a close look at a well-known hacker in the cyber attack of meat processing giant JBS. We're joined by Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions, a member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based here in Chicago. Uh, Jerry, before we talk about this hack in particular, help us to understand. I mean, you have huge companies that are being hacked. Operations are being shut down. Does this just show there's no way around this? This is just kind of the way it's going to go in the future? Uh, well, I would hope not, but at this point, yeah, that's that's a legitimate concern, Cisco. Uh, right now, over 90% of all hacks that are occurring are resulting as of, of some sort of phishing scam that includes a ransomware. And they're saying there's going to be an estimating right now that one company uh, is attacked by ransomware every 10 seconds. So uh, it's out there. And it's very difficult to protect against. And, I mean, literally, you'd have to take everything offline, which is just not realistic. Well, the, the problem is with the Internet today and, and with the networks the way they are today, companies have just put everything accessible on the Internet because they want everybody to have access to everything all the time. And, and what needs to happen is we need to section off uh, the most critical devices and only allow the people who need to get to those uh, access to them. That would eliminate the ability for ransomware to affect everything. But uh, unfortunately, that's not happening. And that's that's things like the uh, oil uh, pipelines that, that happened a couple of weeks ago. And now the meat packers, it's because their machines that they have, these PLC controllers, are all on the same network and and they get infected and bring the entire company down. Is there a way, I mean, maybe this is just uh, too simplistic of thinking, but is there a way for them to have redundancy in these files that get locked up by ransomware uh, so that they could say, oh, okay, all these files were locked up, but we have a backup from yesterday. You know, we'll just get rid of those and we'll go to what we had backed up from yesterday. Again, maybe that's just too simplistic. No, that's that's actually the answer. Uh, there are solutions out there that do real-time backup, so they back up every second to every minute to every hour, depending on the critical nature of the environment. And and having a backup is the only way to recover from ransomware. So as soon as you find you're, you're infected, then section that off, get the devices that, that are infected off of the network and do your restore. Uh, the problem is that companies, again, trying to make it uh, easy to do their backups and easy to manage their network, have their backup devices on the same network as their machines are. So as soon as their machine gets hacked with a ransomware, their backups are also hacked, and now they have nothing to to fall back on. And and that's the case for most of them. Well, let's talk about this JBS hack. Um, It's sounding like it's Russian cyber criminals. Is that kind of a common theme here? Yes. Uh, whenever there is a, a hack that has to do with financial 
uh, you can you can almost bet it's going to be a Russian uh, syndicate of some sort that that's out there doing it. Uh, Russians go out and, and hack to make money, whereas uh, the Chinese uh, generally are, are hacking uh, to find intellectual property. So they're stealing blueprints and plans and things of that nature to make their own money. But uh, yeah, at this point, it, it, it's pointing to uh, a Russian uh, organization that uh, has done similar things to this in the past. And when it comes to, to a hack, once it happens, once they lock down your files, do you really have any choice other than to pay the ransom? Well, hopefully they have a backup. And it does seem that since JBS is getting back up so quickly that they, uh, that they had backups in place that are, are uh, sectioned off and, and you know valid. So, you know, again, if you have your backups going, that's the only way to protect uh, after the fact in a ransomware. The best thing to do is, again, segment your, your critical devices and users uh, in different environments. So if you do get hacked, you only have a, a partial loss. You don't got everything. Thanks so much, Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions here in Chicago. Up next, even though the economy expected to soar, it doesn't mean stocks will. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Most analysts are calling for the U.S. economy to soar. Does that mean stocks will also? Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Mark Holbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. Uh, Mark, I, I always turn to you for a reality check here. Just because the economy is soaring doesn't mean those stock prices will. Well, that's right. I mean, I guess I'm the contrarian who always likes to rain on people's parade, so I apologize in advance for <laughs> doing that every time. But basically, uh, the, the thing I'm focusing on here is the profit margins. You can have the economy avoid a recession. We've been avoiding it for, you know, except for last year, uh, for a long time. And the economy could keep growing. But if the amount of for every dollar of revenue or sales a company brings in, they don't keep as much as a profit, then uh, you can have sales still going up and profit going down. And that's what I want to focus on. And the reason it's more than just a theoretical concern, it turns out that historically profit margins have not stayed as high as they've been over the last decade. In fact, ever since around 2000 to 2002 in that period, profit margins of American corporations on average have been historically higher than they've ever been before. And we think there may be some reasons why they'll come back down to earth. Inflation, taxes are two of the big ones. Yeah, talk about that. What, what are some of the threats to profitability? Well, you know, we've, we've come off an incredible period for American corporations. Inflation has stayed very low, which is very good for uh, the cost of the goods that go into making whatever a corporation is making. And that's also kept uh, wages from going up as much. So that's uh, two factors there that are related to inflation and then taxes. We had a big uh, tax cut for corporate taxes at the beginning of President Trump's administration. Now there's talk about uh, perhaps raising some of those tax rates back, not all the way to back where they were before President Trump's cuts, but uh, maybe about halfway back. Who knows whether that'll emerge from the congressional jockeying. But nonetheless, if taxes go up, inflation goes up, cost of goods go up, it's sort of a perfect storm that would uh, really squeeze corporate bottom lines. Does that make it tough for them to, and they'll obviously raise prices because of that, but tough to raise prices in a way that keeps that profit margin the way it was? Well, that's right. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, they might be able to raise prices just as much as they, uh, that, uh, that inflation is going up. And so it's a net wash, but rarely does it work out that way. And so 
corporations are, are likely to be under a lot of pressure under an inflationary regime because they're getting it from all sides. They're getting it from cost of goods higher, labor costs higher, and then as well, they're just not able to raise prices as much in order to compensate. So what is an investor to do if indeed that profitability comes back to earth? Well, uh, it, uh, I think it, it's just a matter of uh, some caution. I think a lot of people uh, are, are looking at a scenario they call it the Roaring Twenties scenario, sort of an analogy back to what happened in the 1920s after we emerged from that sp- pandemic, the Spanish flu pandemic, and as well from World War One. And we remember the 1920s were quite a good one for the economy and the stock market. Everyone's emerging, uh, thinking we're going to emerge in a similar way to a roaring economy. And what I want to just say is, you know, let, let's not count our chickens before they hatch. Even if the economy continues to roar as much as people are counting, that doesn't necessarily translate to the bottom line. Always good insight from Mark Holber. Thanks so much for being here. He's an investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com. Still ahead, Personal Finance Wednesday, knowing when and how to get your grown children to leave the home. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. What's moving Wall Street as the S&P inches closer to a new record? We'll talk about when it's time to get your grown children to move out and how to go about it for your financial security. Finding that delicate balance between caring for your aging parents and letting them care for themselves. WBBM Business, the Dow down two, NASDAQ down 21, and the S&P is flat. Oil is up one and a half percent. We have sunshine throughout your day, heading to a high of 78 degrees. Right now, 74 degrees. A proposed massive overhaul of infrastructure is moving to the front burner in Washington. Today, President Biden will discuss it with the Republican Party's top negotiator. With the clock ticking down to a June 7th deadline, President Biden is slated to meet with West Virginia Republican Senator and lead negotiator Shelley Moore Capito. The president wants to spend $1.7 trillion to improve roads, bridges, and other investments using a corporate tax hike while the GOP came up only to $928 billion and wants to use funding allocated toward COVID relief. Deputy White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said yesterday, President Biden appreciates the effort to negotiate. But as the president said last week, we do need to finish these negotiations soon. Biden may try to muscle support from Democrats alone, risky with such slim margins in the House and Senate. I'm Jackie Quinn. As President Biden gets set to deliver an update today about the response to the pandemic, organizations across the country are continuing to offer creative ways to get people vaccinated. Incentives continue to pile up for Americans who have yet to get vaccinated. In Massachusetts, Worcester Red Sox fans 18 and older who get a shot at Polar Park, where the AAA team plays, will get a free ticket to a game plus a hat. Krispy Kreme announced it's given away a million and a half free donuts to people who show their vaccine cards, a promotion that's about two months old. Some scientists say if freebies help, great, because unvaccinated people need to move quickly. Elise Preston, CBS News. Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. It's 1232. Your best stock option. 
This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets pretty much flat as they are mixed right now. The Dow down 5, NASDAQ down 15, and the S&P is up 1 point. Let's see what's going on. Brian Perry is here, senior editor of BrianPerryInvesting.com, based in Richmond, Virginia. Brian, good to have you on the show. What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, good to be on the show, Cisco. Thank you. It's uh, it is a mixed day, but you know, you'd never. There's a lot of fireworks going on here, and a lot of these uh, Wall Street beat you know, Reddit stocks here. That's kind of taken center stage once again here. You know, we saw thought some of that might have died down here, but it's it's back in uh, a lot of foam and froth going on, and in names like you know BlackBerry and AMC Theater and GameStop and uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Anything that's where there's a large short position uh, is, is getting. Uh, zeroed in on here by those that uh, target the, that type of act- activity. But in general, uh, you know, you've seen uh, very good action here in the energy sector, which has been highlighted during the course of the day here. You know, crude's up, WTI's up approaching $70 a barrel, which is, despite the fact that uh, uh, OPEC said that they would start to also free up some supply, but Certainly, demand is uh, is is uh, certainly out, outstripping supply right now. In fact, there's more people being reported driving now than there were in the pre-pandemic period. So, people want to get out and drive, and it's uh, it's pulling uh, it's pulling prices up. Uh, we're seeing some activity here in in technology. Here, it's it, again, it's it's spotty. But what you're seeing also is something that most people aren't really that uh, warmed up to is that a lot of legacy tech is making very good moves this year. Things like IBM and Oracle, um, uh, Hewlett Packard, both the HPQ and, a- and H- uh, HPE. Uh, so there's, it's interesting how Dell Computer, VMware, these are the names of the past, uh, glory names in the tech patch, but they're the ones that are you know, behaving very well and not being uh, tossed and turned so much by many of the, the ARC-type stocks, which are high PE stocks or no PE stocks. And many of the semiconductors, which have had a huge run, but are now, you know, in mixed patterns as well. So there's that happening. Then you've got the travel sector, which is really showing a lot of um, uh, gusto today here. Airlines, uh, cruise lines are are, pushing up against their highs, if not putting in new highs, at the expense of what has been the infrastructure trade. You know, we've seen a lot of buying on this infrastructure deal, which is supposed to somehow you know, come to be here in the next week uh, or a few days. And then we're seeing some selling on the news here today in, in the materials, industrials, and, and uh, big transportation names. So there's, there's, there's healthy rotation. Again, with the market here trying to uh, push to two new levels here, I think there's a good shot that will because there's just a world's awash in liquidity and uh, and the market here is showing uh, acceleration for second quarter earnings here coming up. We've got... Um, you know, all the stock of stimulus, higher taxes, Fed tapering, the market has become pretty selective here about how it's going to favor going forward here uh, in terms of the next month or so, Cisco. So it looks like it's um, second quarter window dressing will start to take place here in the next week as well. And that's going to really uh, where people need to dress up their portfolios that are prof- you know, professional fund managers so they can show that they've got all the right stocks here come July. Sounds to me like those meme stocks that are sort of all over the place. Sounds to me like there's plenty of other ways that investors can move their money and make money without necessarily riding that roller coaster. Well, absolutely, because it really, if you look at where a lot of the, what I like to do is if people can take a good exercise and and look at companies that that not only just beat their numbers in the first quarter, but also guided you know strongly higher. And there's a, there's resources for that. So. 
those stocks that do get, um, you know, they pull back. There's a lot of, they, they breathe heavy. But if there's good companies that have really had, you know, just blowout numbers in the first quarter that have raised their uh, their forward guidance substantially, then that's really where you probably want to start looking at, um, at, you know, at trying to buy the dips and not trying to chase these uh, these fast mem names because you can get hurt in those uh, in those other names because there's just a lot of uh, a lot of short covering going on and a lot of um, uh, headline headline risk. So it just there's there's plenty to do in just good solid names, uh, but but certainly look for those companies that have guided higher and the stocks have just kind of given uh, some you know some of their gains back because that's really the place to go. One name that's starting to show up here that's been you know wondering about. Um, whether or not it's going to finally get up and go here is Boeing, and uh, and it's uh, you know there's I think they might have to start raising their numbers here in the second half of the year. So the stock come up from 240 to 256, and maybe if that can if you can look at that stock under 250, that might be one to accumulate for a stock of major Dow stock that has really yet to put in a big move. But it looks like some of their darkest days are behind them. Thanks so much for all the insight and analysis. That's Brian Perry, Senior Editor at BrianPerryInvesting.com. Just ahead, knowing when and how to get your adult children to move out. That's on Personal Finance Wednesday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday on the Noon Business Hour. Today we're talking about the so-called sandwich generation with adult children moving back home and the growing needs of your aging parents in this segment let's talk about the child how do you maybe carefully move that child out for good in order to help your financial future joining us on the mcgrath lexus business line craig bolanos chief executive officer of wealth management group in inverness and downers grove Uh, craig this sounds like you have to be pretty delicate about this when you have especially an adult child who's living at home well, Cisco, that's just right. I mean, all of us are what I call well-intentioned. We're well-meaning parents. We welcome our adult children home when they're making this transition to save money, pay off debt, when they're looking for that first job, you know, that first career. But the reality is we need to set expectations early, ideally before our boomerang child comes back through that front door. Otherwise, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, talk about that. What's the pressure challenge with the parents' financial future if they have that child living at home too long? Well, as a practitioner, a real-life example we have right now is we have clients who want to downsize their property to take advantage of the great real estate price to unlock that home equity, but Cisco, they can't sell because they've got their adult kids in the house still. You know, that's one example. The other thing I think that parents, you know, again, well-intentioned fail to appreciate is just how expensive it is, what I call at the margins, having the kids under your roof. It's the food, it's the utilities, it's paying for their auto insurance, paying for their cell phone. All of those things add up really quick. And I want parents to set expectations early. And we also have to make it a little bit uncomfortable. If they're still in our house, there should be a curfew. If they're back in our house, we might want to forbid what I call overnight guests. And yes, maybe we shouldn't be nagging, but we should annoy those adult kids a little bit to provide some additional incentive and motivation for them not to become permanent residents in our basement. So at what point do you just go ahead and put the house up for sale anyway and downsize to the one bedroom unit? 
Well, at some point in time, you might just be forced to. It's a very uncomfortable conversation, and I do want to make sure that when we get to that point, I think parents, you know, if we've welcomed the kids back in, you know, we eventually get to a point that the generosity is exhausted, but we just have to help with the transition. You know, the last thing we want to do is send that adult child out into the real world without any money, without any savings, and one of the strategies I tell parents all the time is, if you're willing to have them live with you, have those adult kids pay some rent and mom and dad consider squirreling some of that rent away so that you can help them with a security deposit, help them with some transition when you do finally put the house on the market and the adult child has to go get their first apartment. Is it okay for mom and dad to put some of that money away for their financial future or is that a little maybe too selfish? Well, I, no, I don't think there's there's nothing wrong with let, let's let's not use that word selfish. It might be responsible. Again, if we're being intellectually honest about this, it's just expensive. And the sandwich generation is trying to get caught up for retirement. At the same time, they're taking care of the generation above and the generation below. So yeah, I would suggest if your adult child is paying you $500 a month in rent, you don't necessarily have to put that away for them. Take that $500 a month in rent and put it into a Roth IRA for your own future. Because again, everybody wants to be financially independent. We never want to rely on the next generation to take care of us. Thanks so much, Craig Bolanos, Chief Executive Officer of Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Just ahead, another dose of Personal Finance Wednesday. This time, we look at meeting the needs of aging parents. News that makes you money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Personal Finance Wednesday continues with the so-called sandwich generation, people in their 40s. In our last segment, we talked about helping your grown children get out of the house for your financial freedom. You may have aging parents, though. They may need your help. Joining us, Tony Agoric, founder of Agoric Wealth Management, based in Buffalo, New York. Tony, it's good to have you with us. So a lot of parents are not necessarily going to tell their adult children that they need help, and they do. Is there a way to figure it out, to sort of discern whether your parents need that help? Yeah, that's a great point, Cisco. You know, uh, uh, you know, life intrudes on, on many people's plans, and they always think there's going to be time to do something down the road, but uh, that often isn't the case for many people. So I think the most important thing is to understand that at some point, there may be a role reversal between the parent and children where, uh, you know, the parents previously were protecting the kids. And now, uh, as some of the parents get older and maybe begin to fail a bit, um, you know, the kids need to get involved. They need to be the protector. And uh, one of the ways to start is to see if you can get full disclosure of what's going on in their financial life. Now, many people look at uh, their finances as very private. They don't want to share it with their kids for whatever reason. And, you know, at a given point, you know, the kids need to know where things are, what you've got. Um, second, what's really important is to know who is in charge. You've got estate planning documents. If you've got kids, they need to know who has the durable power of attorney, who is the health care proxy, um, how all of this stuff is going to play out in the event something sudden were to happen. You know, and then, you know, last I would say that once you take a look at what the situation's like, either you're working with an advisor or maybe you take a look at an elder care attorney, there may be Medicaid planning opportunities. 
uh, to help share the burden of, of long-term care with parents. So it's the more you know, the more you're able to help. And is there a way to to maybe broach that conversation? Because as we discussed, you know, some parents don't want that sort of help and yet they need it. How, how do uh, kids, adult kids, actually get their parents to give them that information? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the ways to do it may be for the kids to share their information, perhaps, you know, with their parents and say, um, you know, for example, this is what I've got. I may not need an inheritance you want me to have, but my brother or sister may be able to use more of it, and I'd like you to have something, you know, my share going to them. Uh, another way to look at it is that, um, you know, in, in terms of long-term care, you could be unnecessarily dissipating assets because you didn't have proper planning. So I think it's time, and, you know, maybe it's at a given age, maybe it's at 65, maybe it's 70, maybe it's 75, regardless of whatever the situation is, to be able to say to them, you know, I think it's time to have your situation evaluated so that uh, you're positioned properly, and you're going to, if your desire is to pass along the assets to your kids, well, you need to have a professional look at it to make sure that uh, the reality of what you're doing right now is going to meet with your intentions. Thanks so much. Good insight. Tony Agoric, founder of Agoric Wealth Management. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.